feeding the world is going to be very difficult moving forward. Population goes up. We're going to hit 10 billion people in 2050. This is in your and probably my lifetime. Uh, and uh, I don't want to see my kids and my grandchildren that are not born yet uh, involved in uh, wars over food. I don't think that's where the world wants to go. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Lomitech, and sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Upwest, Halal at Stanford, Leap, and Birthright Excel. Hello and welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Leaders, and we're going to be talking about agriculture and really the future of our planet. Meet Ganit Vered, the CEO of Smart Agro R&D Partnership, an experienced investor in agri-tech and food tech companies. Until recently, she was a venture partner at Entry Capital, responsible for agri-tech and food tech investments. She invested in four agri-tech startups and is an active chairwoman of the board at V-Aqua and board members at additional startups. The Ganit brings over 20 years of senior management experience as Intel Israel CS site manager and vice president R&D with Perigo and Hazera. The Ganit Vered, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining me, Ganit. Uh, I'm not going to begin to go with your list, with your in- incredible background. Uh, right now, you're the CEO of Smart Agro Fund. Uh, and y- your work you know, over the last few decades, understanding agriculture tech, understanding leadership in the tech ecosystem, and today channeling that understanding into your thoughts on what's happening with, with agriculture today and where we're headed with food scarcity, I think is fascinating. So tell me a little bit about your background and what, what helped you get into agri-tech. Uh, it was actually um, a journey. Not all of the stages of the journey were, were precisely planned. Uh, most mm-hmm. of my career I did with Intel Corporation. I'm a chemical engineer in profession, so uh, in the factories of Intel. Uh, from engineering to R&D and uh, later on the Israeli site manager for corporate services. Uh, After 17 years with Intel, I decided to move to uh, another position and I was the VP R&D of uh, Perigo, the API division. Uh, And that was my first, you know, full-blown R&D introduction. Uh, After that, I was the VP R&D of Hazera. And this was really the place where I got introduced into agriculture. I spent a lot of time in the fields with the farmers to make sure that the R&D team developed solutions that meets what the customer needs. And uh, I realized that the problems go way beyond just the seeds. It goes into additional uh, issues they need to take care of. And uh, I made a decision, a strategic decision, to move into the startups innovation arena. Uh, with that move, uh, I, I joined the Via Aqua. It's a biotechnology company a trendline company, and um, I was the chairperson of the board. I was an active chairperson, so I really joined the team and worked with them. Uh, And um, the second thing that I did was being a CEO of a startup. I said, I need, if my end in mind is to invest in startups, I need to understand their day-to-day life. And I was able to to experience anything from the investor decided not to invest all the money that he committed to, to uh, problems with the uh, go-to-market and changing the strategy and everything. 
that can go wrong went wrong. Um, and that almost three years ago, I joined the uh, Antre Capital uh, to uh, run the investments on Agritech. And uh, there, I really learned from the best, you know, uh, Antre Capital, uh, you, you can see uh, Kazoo and uh, Monday, all the exits uh, that are happening recently, actually. And uh, so I learned from Avi Yal, Anachituv, and Ram Bielski how to invest uh, and uh, what to look for and how to manage the relationship with the entrepreneurs and what's important for the investor and what's important for the startup and how do you make sure they're focused. And so, so really excellent experience. Uh, and uh, four months ago, I decided to move from a venture partner to a CEO of a startup of a investment body, which is Smart Agro. Mm -hmm. And as I'm very passionate about the agri-tech, knowing the challenges the world is, is facing and the big problems we are heading towards, I uh, decided that this is the right place for me to invest Incredible. in agri-tech and food tech. Yes. So with that, it's a perfect segue. Tell me a little bit about, you know, agriculture tech. What, you know, what is it about? And, and then I'd love to understand a little bit about, you know, why, why is it important in your eyes today that we focus on this? I think that everyone knows why it's important. You see the climate change, you see the effects of the climate change uh, from severe drought that uh, impact, for example, the sugarcane uh, industry in Brazil and the grain uh, of, and soy, soybeans in, in the U.S., it causes an increase in pricing, but not just that, the yields are going down. Uh, you see a dramatic impact of the chemistry that is being used, and not all of chemistry is bad, but uh, a lot of, of it influences badly the environment. Uh, I think the climate change uh, is something that we're, we're seeing now, it's going to get worse if we don't do something very drastic in the next few years. We're not talking about Let's take care of it in 50 years. This is like the money time right now. And I think that the aspects of uh, agri-tech, finding solutions for, uh, for example, for uh, degradation of the soil, uh, mm -hmm. ability of the plant to deal with weather conditions, the ability to change uh, the way we approach agriculture, putting technology into agriculture, uh, trying through the genetics to solve the problems, all of those things are bundled together and require dramatic solutions. So you can see solutions from, you know, um, the side of manpower. People don't really want to work in agriculture. Who wants to work 50 degrees Celsius uh, in the sun and uh, get the onions out of the soil? Not fun. Um, second thing that you see is dramatic reduction in the number of bees. Now, I think about 70% of what we see fruits and vegetables in the in the supermarket are being pollinated by bees. So that's a dramatic thing that is happening as well. So mm -hmm. trying to find solutions for all those, uh, those items is critical for the survival of the planet. I'm saying feeding the world is going to be very difficult moving forward. Population goes up, we're going to hit 10 billion people in 2050. This is in your and probably my lifetime. Uh, and uh, I don't want to see my kids and my grandchildren that are not born yet uh, involved in uh, wars over food. I don't think that's where the world wants to go. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Now, <clears throat> so, so we, we are touching a little bit on the urgency here because obviously 
you mentioned we're, we're all aware of what's happening in the world and climate change and everything, but, but there is a, a larger sense of urgency, especially I think, you know, if I'm looking at this last decade and, and sort of the, the evolution of artificial intelligence, you know, as a democratized tool, to be building a lot of these tools that you're talking about that are going to enable us to, 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 to make a lot, of these, a lot of these changes. Can you give me some specific examples of, of how technology is being used with agriculture today in, in ways that are non-trivial? Um, the, the reason I'm asking for this is, you know, as a young entrepreneur, one of the things that I'm always thinking about is, you know, how, you know, how is the intersection of technology and, and our physical world? And so I think that through some specific examples, I could get a lot of inspiration as to, okay, what it can actually be doing with technology in the real world. Okay, so let's start with the bees, okay? I, in the last uh, three years, I invested in two companies that deal with it from completely different angles. One is uh, Aruga. Aruga uh, went into the greenhouse and they said, we want to take the place of the bees. The bees, you know, don't always go out and pollinate. If it's too hot, too cold, not enough light, they don't go out meaning you lose yield because they didn't pollinate. So they said, this is a huge problem. We want to solve this one first. So they went into uh, you know, the greenhouse, built a robot, and the robot is doing a non-touch pollination, meaning uh, if the bees, for example, move from one plant to another, they can transfer uh, diseases. With the non-touch pollination, this cannot happen. So they right. say, okay, we are already in the greenhouse. We're doing pollination. Now let's do additional models. What are the humans doing? So using robotics to exchange uh, constraints in the greenhouse, making sure the yield is stable and uh, really, you know, at the level of the bees or better than the bees. And that way, you know, you just let the robot run in the greenhouse and it happens. You don't need to take care of whether the bees are healthy. They're not healthy. Is there a problem? Did they get out or not? Did the hive die because of the heat wave or not? Those things are out of the equation at that place. And the cost is at, because of the, the improvement in the uh, computing capability, the AI uh, knowledge, the cost is uh, equivalent, okay? A second solution is beehives, you know, outside, outdoors beehives, almonds, uh, berries, and so on. Um, you put an IoT, Hero developed in an Internet of Things, a device that sits inside the hive and listens to the hives, checks the temperature, the movement. If anything goes wrong, it flags the beekeeper. That something is going on, go and get there. In the past, the beekeepers, you know, they would come at a certain frequency. If something goes wrong, it might be too late to recover. But if you get the alert immediately online, you can recover the hive very fast, and that increases the quality of the hives and the quality of the pollination. So those are two examples. From a completely different direction, uh, precision... By the way, I do have to say, Ganit, with that last example, um, you know, the, the CEO of Be Hero, Omer Davidi, a good friend, took me, uh, along with a few other folks in, in California, to an area where they had beehives. And they showed us how, how everything is working. And I have to say that from an engineering you know, perspective, from the back seat, it was one thing to see the AI models and to understand the technology from the luxury of my, of my apartment in Palo Alto. Being there physically with a beekeeper and watching in the physical world, which is huge and vast, in the hot, scorching sun, 
having to even imagine the beekeeper doing what we did in one instance, doing it across 50 or 100 beehives in order to monitor them on a daily basis, where now they can get a sensor and not just optimize their time, but know when something is wrong, you know, as it's happening and not, not do it post-mortem. You know, that to me, being there in the physical world, that changed my perspective, that connection from, you know, the laptop to actually being there and seeing the almonds grow and how the beehives are, are impacting it. So I think that's really the, the magic of what's happening here with Agritech. Right. So I think that the, you, you got it right on the spot. This is mind-blowing. Technology going into agriculture. People don't understand how far back agriculture is from the, the technology we're used to. And the, the fact that there are startups that are introducing technology at the highest level or bringing high-tech into agriculture. That's a, a huge change and an increase in the efficiency and effectiveness of the agri, of the farmer. And it can be a beehive keeper and it can be a, a farmer or a grower of potatoes. Uh, right. If you're talking about, you know, uh, running uh, autonomous vehicles in the field, uh, in the past it was mostly in open fields. Now it's moving into orchards like Blue White Robotics is uh, developing and uh, yep. already deployed the technology. You can see uh, precision irrigation. Water constraint is becoming a huge thing. You know, people cannot water as much as they want anymore. The water price is going out. The water availability is going down. So two companies that I, I'm invested in, Viridix is one and Suplant is the second one. Um, Suplant is even taking it another step forward and measuring you know, the, the, the plant from additional sensor, not just soil sensor. And that way you can give the farmer exact irrigation recommendation, meaning you don't overwater, which means you waste water. You don't underwater, which means you leave the plant uh, uh, thirsty and you optimize the yield and you see the transition of higher yield because it's optimized, lower water consumption, and, uh, you know, in dates, for example, uh, you can reduce about 50% of the water consumption as the premium majhul in the mm -hmm. uh, southern areas of Israel are getting a higher premium percent. So it's also the quality of the food. So this is so, technology. So now that... Go ahead. So, so now that we, you know, understood a little bit about the, the physical landscape and what's happening, take me back 30,000 feet in the air. What's happening from, you know, an investment body's perspective on, you know, either Israel as a tech powerhouse for agritech or in terms of the world, how, how are the investors responding to this, you know, changing world and the fact that now there's more entrepreneurs going into agritech? So first of all, I would like to see more entrepreneurs going into agritech. I think this is a really a, a call for action for entrepreneurs. Yeah. They see a lot of brain power going into gaming and uh, a nice consumer solutions, probably faster path to the money, but uh, the impact into the world is much more lower. So I believe that uh, brain power needs to move into agri-tech. More entrepreneurs need to move there. In Israel, there are about uh, 400 companies uh, doing agri-tech. Uh, some of, and, and you can see that the industry is maturing. There is more and more startups raising B rounds and uh, C rounds. And that's very impressive to see those companies grow and improve their capabilities and growing their sales. And um, 
From the other side, I don't see enough new startups stepping in. Now, one of the problems that uh, I think caused that is the fact that there are not that many exits yet in agri-tech, okay? I think we're like a year, two years from the big exits. It started mm. with Postera that did a $3 million sales. I think there was another company in the U.S. that did an exit for something like $250 million. It's starting. The drops of the rain are starting. I believe that the more rain of exits is uh, ahead of us. This is why it's attractive for, uh, for VCs and for investors, because we are before the, this industry is uh, going through the major exits and mergers and acquisitions and so on. I think that uh, we are a bit behind the food industry that is in a big hype right, right, right now. Right. Um, and the nice thing about it, the way I see it as an investor, is that the company's pricing is more aligned with the stage that the companies are at. You know, if some startup on food comes with an idea about alternative protein solution, they get money just for the idea. In Agritech, you know, you need some more uh, robust and materialized uh, thing to get funded. Uh, it happens, but um, it's it's a bit more, for me, it's more, uh, you know, being at the front, being at the, the first line of investors in this field, I believe that uh, this industry is about to blow. Incredible. Nagini, take me back a little bit to your, you know, your, your journey, your childhood. What really sparks your curiosity, you know, growing up? What, what really fascinated you as a kid? First of all, I read a lot as a kid and I was extremely busy. I, I did sports. I, I played professional basketball as a kid. And wow. um, I really enjoyed the connection between, you know, school, reading, and uh, being very active socially in the school and things like that. So um, for me, chemistry was fascinating, always was my passion. I recently learned that biology is more interesting, in my opinion. And... Um, when you look at the solutions coming from the biology into this world, like CRISPR, the ability to edit the genes, uh, biotechnology, biological te uh, solutions into uh, where chemistry exists in, in uh, agriculture, the, the fact that I, you know, my background makes it very easy for me to understand this technology-wise and scientific-wise helps me as an investor to be much, much uh, smarter and more useful for the startup. So I think that passion that you know, to science and to to uh, technology that goes with me all all my life is something that comes to play now in uh, the investment tool. I love it, and and so I think that you've touched on this quite a bit throughout the conversation about you know where you draw your own conviction and inspiration today. But what really inspires you in your day to day of what you do? So you wake up every day. What what, what really draws your inspiration? Um, because of my very uh, different experience that is not common in the industry, I was in corporate. I know how corporates think and how they bring innovation in. I was in startups. I know how hard it is to raise money and to build the relationship with your investors. And I am an investor. I think this 360 degrees look uh, on the startups arena is a strength. I'm trying to utilize this strength to mentor startups. 
I'm uh, doing, you know, pro bono activity with Mass Challenge, with Plug and Play. Whoever is interested in getting my uh, brain power uh, into play and, you know, pick my brain under startups or IDs, I'm, I'm making the time to do that. So positively impacting the ecosystem, helping entrepreneurs to bring their ideas and make it a product and make it a, something sellable and really helping... Uh, no, it's not a cliche. We're trying to save the world. This is the money time. So wherever I can help people, you know, put their finger and make a difference, I'm, I'm trying to help them. Incredible. And if there are a few words that you would use to describe yourself, what would those be? Um, people will say I'm, I'm on a turbo 24-7. <laughs> so I'm... I'm busy. I'm, I like being busy and I like doing multiple things. In, in uh, I like mentoring. I like discussion with people that are open to listen. It's a two-way conversation. And if people are there, I believe that the entrepreneur that doesn't listen uh, is uh, in trouble. Needs to listen to the market, needs to listen to his board, needs to listen to his team. At the end, they need to make the decision. But if you don't listen and take everything into account, you might not make right. the best decision. Um, so um, that's one thing. And I think that um, the passion, the passion to do good is something that when I wake up in the morning, you know, today will end at uh, 8 p.m. and then I will open my mails. Okay. I love it. And I, I I, I, it. I'm passionate about it. So it's not a problem. It's okay. I enjoy it. Ganit. This was amazing. Thank you for fighting to, to make the world better, literally, uh, on one hand, save it, on the other hand, uh, really make it better. And uh, not just with your own work, but the inspiration that you bring either to the entrepreneurs you're working with, to your colleagues, um, all the organizations that you mentioned. I'm honored to, to work with you also uh, as a part of the J Ventures. And I think that um, I, I just want to continue drawing on, on, your, on your experience and understandings. Uh, and um, it leaves me optimistic. So thank you very much for the time. And stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.